All right, so we're coming back with part two here with Aaron Hammond from the Marriott River Center. Um, we touched a little bit on the end of the end of our last end of the last conversation. This may be part two. This may be an extension of part one, but uh, the end of the old. I don't know, a cranky old, the cranky old white chef that fucking yells and throws shit and gets yeah. pissed off and yeah. treats the, sh- the 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 staff like shit because we've been talking a little bit about the mentality now of, well, you're lucky to have a job. The market's this and the industry's this. And it's like, well, if, if that's the mentality, then we're, we're heading down the wrong path. Right. Again, we're, we're heading away from... We're talking about give. We're talking about providing genuine hospitality to our guests. The most important thing we can do is be genuine to the people that work with us, the people that show up every day. So, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're we're a team, and right. there's you, you, however many mantras you want to say, but at the end of the day, we're we're side by side. Yeah, hundred percent. We have to be that way, um, and it doesn't. Hey, you know, you're lucky you work here. No, no, right. It's not. You're 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 one hundred percent right. We're going backwards. But as we look at a new generation of cooks that are, that are coming up. Like what, what's your advice for, for younger cooks that you know, the younger cooks that want to follow, like that end up in, they want to end up in your position. Right. Cause it's something that I always wanted to, to try to get advice from is like, Hey chef, how do I get to where you are? Like my ultimate goal is I want your job. So what do I do? What should I do? How, what do I have to do to make that happen? Yeah. I, my, the biggest thing would be like a true understanding and actually compassion for it. If you're not in it, like fully immersed in it and want to learn it, don't waste your time. Because this is a, a, a job that's hopefully getting better, as we, we've talked about with the mental and everything like that moving forward. But it's, it's tough. I mean, your, your work-life balance is, is uh, it's interesting, to say the least. Like you, you lose a lot of hours. You use a lot of sleep. Uh, you're kind of a all over the place. I mean, events are what they are, and this is why you're there to drive. So if you're not in it to win it, then then don't follow up. That's, I mean, it's the biggest thing I could say. You can't make a pivot if you're not planted. You can't do these things if you're not focused on, first off, caring. Just yeah. give a shit, you know? Like, do I want to cook food and be that from here on out? Second, just be, or, like, truly understand. Understand the business. Like, what, what, is, what is a plate cost? What does food cost? Mm-hmm. What does that look like driving to the bottom line? Yes. And if you're in a hotel, what does rooms look like mm-hmm. compared to that? So when somebody comes in like, well, chef, they got 500 sleeping rooms. So we're going to drive this, uh, this cost down, right? It's not going to be a $30 plate. It's going to be 25 right? Right. Shit. Chef, you know? we need you to do a breakfast for the sports group for $6 a head. Right. Because they're 800 room nights. Yeah. And the young... The problem is, as young as when you're younger, you're like, "Well, this is bullshit." Right. I got to do all this and blah blah. Like, but I think to your point earlier, if we're all on the same team, there's always a disconnect between rooms operation and food and beverage operation. Right. Between sales in every other department. Right. No, I, <laughs> I still put up a good fight and I'm like, "Oh, breakfast is included, right, chef?" Like, well, goddamn, I'm only yeah. getting a food cost credit, man. What's right. that? What's my credit? My pay anything. And you end up at the end of the month, uh, nickel and diamond, the P&L to make sure that you made your food. Right. Like, look, I'm within three points. Right. Is that good enough? Right. Like, dude, what the fuck? Right. But, it, but if we really get to that point where it's a real team balance and you can understand now is a 
almost 38 year old, I can look at and understand the room side much more than I could when I was 27. Right. And I was like, this is bullshit. Right. I make great food. It should be worth more than $8. Guess what? No one cares. Right. It's a soccer tournament and it's a thousand room nights and shut up and make it because that's how we all get to pay our bills at the end of the day. Correct. Yes. I think the biggest thing, yeah, you're, you're touching on it and people don't understand the numbers. Right. They don't want to, and they don't put enough time into it. I remember my first day at, at, at the hotel, um, as a sous chef and I'll never forget. I got called on. Um, we, we had, it was the first day I was there was staff meeting. So I got first staff meeting I've ever been to. All right. Like, Hey, um, yeah, cool. I'm here. I'm thinking like, okay, cool. I'm just going to lay low. My boss, who's become a great friend of mine, uh, to this day and a mentor called on me. Uh, Josh, you want to take a look at that P&L there and let me know what you think about, you know, this section. The, the, and uh, I remember looking at it, and I had no fucking idea what it was. Right. And the best thing I ever did was say, you know what? Honestly, don't know the answer. But I'm going to put every effort I can into figuring it out. And I learned more about, I knew, I knew how to cook, what I had to cook there. I knew how to make the food that we needed to make for there, but I did not know how to read a P&L, to understand a labor report, um, to manage a staff. And a lot of people will get so focused on just making great food, they never learn how to do any of the rest of the stuff. Right. That's why you have a chef who's got a restaurant that you drive by, and all you ever see is how busy it is, and then nine months later, it's out of business. Right. It's like, well, dude, you were do we were doing 300 covers a night. I don't know what happened. Like, I know what happened. You didn't understand how to manage the money. You didn't understand. You didn't cost anything out. You didn't know what was happening. You weren't looking at anything. You were just standing in the kitchen, tugging on your chef coat, making sure it looked nice, taking selfies with, with guests, talking about how good this is and how you source this, but you don't understand the numbers. And if you don't have, if you don't commit the same level of energy to understanding the financials, you'll never be an executive chef in a hotel. No, that's you, where we. If you want to be a young up and comer, you got to understand that quick. And I can say I, I pride myself in having three people underneath me that have all become executive chefs. That's great. And that's where we hit first. Understand why. What are these things? What does this mean on a piano? Yeah. And what's the flow look like? I mean, you and I have talked about it before with Voltaggio, unbelievably talented guy. Yeah, there might be other reasons why he didn't have what he had. He's still back up and coming, but I think early in his career he might have had problems not completely understanding the full Creativity scale. doesn't pay the bills. No. No. It's cool. It is cool. And maybe in and your how best, long does it last? Maybe in your best case scenario, you have somebody that's super creative who's you either have to learn it yourself or you have to be smart enough to understand that you need somebody smarter than you to understand it. Be like, look, I'll make the creative stuff. You tell me what I need to make it, what the what the portion size has to be, what the price has to be. I'll, fi- I'll I can do that. But if you don't understand it yourself or have someone else that does, you might as well just forget about it. You right. can make all the cool shit in the world, right? But if it doesn't make money, what are you doing? And when we say make money, we mean enough to pay the fucking light bill, right? Enough right. to pay. If you can't pay the staff, you can't pay your utilities, can't pay your rent. You're done. You're out of business. Right. And, and again, you're dealing with, you've hit it before, super small margins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to price you out, but also I got to keep it competitive, keep it plate costs. It's, 
in line with everything else that we're doing. In yep. the hotel world, that's going to be a budget of, you know, 30%. Right. Just say. And 30% of $3 million, if that's your budget of food and beverage, what's that look like? It goes real fast yep. when you're feeding the, the, the masses. Yeah. So as, as we move forward, how do we, how do we adapt, change, create a new normal for the restaurant industry that puts us in a position that <clears throat> we're not so vulnerable to something like this? I know this is a pandemic. It's not something that's going to happen all the time. But the writing was on the wall that, that we were heading down this path one way or another. Sure. Whether, is it, whether the economy's been too good for too long, we're going to have a crash at some point. The restaurant bubble was going to burst. Yes. So yeah. what, do we do, what do we do moving forward to, to make sure that our staffs are not in this position again? What do we do moving forward to make sure that we are not in this position again yeah. as, as owner operators? Right. Like what's, what's some things you think that we really need to focus on? Cause I have some ideas of my own, but yeah, I think if, if I'm a 18 year old cook or like we were back in the day, 16 year old line cooks, whatever right. it may be actually taking in that skill set, whether that be. Uh, I'm really good at broil or whatever, learning that skill set and then take it to the next level. Um, and hopefully, as we continue to move forward, we're seeing like the mental side of what happens yeah. in, in food and beverage with, with depression, anxiety, unfortunate suicides, and all things like that. It all comes with it. So we need to change the mental aspect of the whole thing. And this wash of restaurants that we've just seen, I think, is creating a new culture. We hear a lot about cancel culture and this and that. But I think you're, you're creating a new food and beverage culture that is actually good for the growth. Yeah, we understand a lot more of the dangers because we see it every day now. Yeah. Uh, but what's, what's just being good people? Like we say it over and over again. If I have a chef that's beside me instead of barking at me or give me a spoon that tastes like shit, no, fix it. Right. Uh, no, come on. I'm here to learn. <clears throat> right. And if we can teach the people that want to be there, yeah, they'll figure it out fast. Like I like this or I don't. Yeah. Hone that skill. You can use it a million ways down the road. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be just cooking food. Oh, you know what? I really understand this. I can be a salesman for Cisco. Mm -hmm. I can uh, turn into where I'm a merchandiser for Pepsi. Or yeah. It, 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 it really is an endless thing. Or I'm a butcher. Yeah. Shit. You know, like when this whole thing happened, what if I'm, a, I'm an Instagram chef? I'm this, I'm that. I think the possibility is endless, but you got to care first. You got to care, love it. And then hone in on your skill set. Yeah. You know, it's that yeah, you get back to knife 101, blah, blah, blah just fall in love with it and do it yeah and follow up yeah i think the hard thing is is we look for a younger generation of people to essentially take our places yeah we've got to find how we make that connection with the younger with the younger younger people and i mean like younger than top like top 24 right yeah yeah. I mean, younger than, I mean, 16. Yeah. I mean, how do, how do we connect now with 16 year old Josh house? It's super hard. I mean, think about it when we were growing up. There was, there was no social media. There's no cell there phone. There wasn't, there wasn't, I didn't selfies. Have a cell phone. there wasn't, there wasn't Instagram of this. Oh, look at this. Uh, fantastic panini or whatever it may be. No. There, there wasn't, wasn't there. No. Um, and we did have the, the mentors in the back that were just skilled as all get out but complete assholes complete assholes <laughs> you know and so now it's almost a f complete flip of that uh it is super hard to adapt to i i, 
I wish I could be better. I feel like I try to have, at least for my staff speaking, they're a little bit older, but it's just saying, hey, I want to work just with you. We're, we're on the same schedule here. We're on the same set. Yeah. Uh, again, get back to that team mentality. And hopefully, moving forward, that's the case for a 16-year-old. Yeah, they might get shit on a little bit because you're a dishwasher. Yeah, of course. Or coming in entry level. I don't think they're stopping that in any industry, not just ours. No, probably If you're coming not. up and uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, go back to GE. If you're starting there as an errand boy or girl, whatever it may yeah, be, right. you got to start somewhere. But I think yeah. that's where you learn. You know, I've heard numerous podcasts in the packs. Like, that's where you start to learn. If you're adaptive and you want to understand this, then your, your eyes are open. You're seeing yeah. the whole thing from behind. If you go back to Bourdain, what do you say? The, the most things he's ever learned from a dishwasher. Right. You know? I think it's weird. To, I think it's interesting to try to think about how we introduce a younger generation to what's the new kitchen. Yeah. Because... The same stuff that drew us into it, we see now the negatives of that. Sure. The excess, yeah. the drugs, the alcohol, staying up all night. Like, we've, we thrived on that shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't, want, I don't, want, my, I don't want the I don't want my staff kids to be to like that. that. I don't want, no, I don't and, want my staff the, to feel that way. No, and like you start feeling like you feel like your staff is your family. They're your kids. Yeah, I see them more than I see my family. Right, and you don't want them. I don't want to see them make the same stupid fucking mistakes that we did because it might have been fun at the time sure but it probably slowed down our progress yeah from where we would be by three to four years whatever it is sure yeah because i can beat you in beer pong doesn't mean i'm like no four years ahead no you, you know? can't <laughs> listen you can't beat me in beer pong unless theoretically if you could right <laughs> but we had but our games good, good example right good example <laughs> no no you're right though like, what skill set does that translate to? Nothing. But so, how, that's the thing is like, and I, I'd love to hear anybody that has any feedback on that. Um, hit us up on Instagram or something. And, and any other questions you have, I'd like to start working that in too. But this, um, how do we address, like, we need people our age, normal fucking people going to culinary schools. Not in, no, no high schools and saying like, look, this job, this is real, the real shit. It's not glamorous. Right. If you like working with your hands, you should give it a shot. Right. Go, go pick up you, you, when you need a job, the summer job, go wash dishes for a summer. You're going to know really quick. Right. And go wash dishes for a summer. You're either going to be like, I fucking hate the restaurant industry. I want to be as far away from it as possible. Or you're going to love it. Right. And you might hate it and still understand that, you know what? I can wait. I can you know pick up some shifts waiting tables when I'm in college, but you're going to develop a skill set that will benefit you in any field you go into. Absolutely. Because you have to work hard. Yes. If you don't work hard, you will get weeded out. Yes. And you're, you ultimately make your job harder for yourself. Absolutely. And I, I feel the same way. Like front of the house stuff. Like I don't know how many times I've had the conversation with many people in the front of the house. Like, gosh, we wish everybody could just be a server. Right. And just understand what it's like to go and have to wait on somebody. Um, and more than not, people are great. But there's every once in a while, like, do you understand the process behind of, oh, I need some ketchup. As soon as I get back, like, nope, I need, a, I need some mayonnaise. Nope, I need a napkin. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you no, it, it changes your perspective. It does. It does. And it also, it, it will also make you cut more slack when you're out. 
which is where I piss myself off sometimes because I'll be like, I'll make excuses. Ah, well, they're busy. Yeah. It's like, but that's bullshit. If it was our place, I wouldn't accept that excuse. I didn't, I'm the same way. Like, why is this pepper shaker half full? What is right. this shit? <laughs> right. Right. Like, ah, oh, they're busy. He's got a five-table section. I think service industry is something that ultimately has to change. Like, the service part. Like, we have to charge the right amount for food. Yeah. And we have to pay service staff, like, a skilled... The skilled, skilled labor, right? Skilled workers that they are, and can't, not have tipping system. Can't pay them four dollars an hour, and, and hey, I hope you get good tips today. Yeah, like, yeah. You yeah. end up with, you end up with a random person sitting at table twelve that gets to decide how much you're worth. Correct. It's bullshit. And at the end of your shift, I need you to do an hour worth of closing duty. Right. I'm paying you, and you can say, oh yeah, well they average twenty dollars an hour. Yeah, that's great, but. Let's get into the legalities of it. Yeah, like I just paid silverware and mopping yeah. the floor I'll and doing that. Paid you two dollars, two dollars yeah. and thirteen cents for that hour, that last hour. It also creates like a sense that the customer can treat the waitress or waiter, however they. Like a servant. Yeah. Not a server. Yeah. Absolutely, they hundred percent do, yeah. because they get. Not no, not everyone. Those people that do that, for sure. Yeah, but you. But I think it balances out, because if I go out. And you go out, you, you go out, I'm sure you're going to tip 20, 25% no matter what. Sure. Right, I don't right. give a shit what happens. Right. So just don't spit on my food, but right. you know, like, yeah. you know, but I, I get it. You're, you're 100% right. It but was, that's bullshit too. Yeah. Because if you provide me shitty service, your job is to provide good service. Right. But that's not your fault that you provided shitty service. It's your employer's fault that they let you provide shitty service because they don't care because they know that you're going to make a shitty tip. So it doesn't fucking no skin off their ass. Yeah, sure. Right. But that's garbage. No, it is garbage. So what's it say it's, about your business? It's, it's that you, you don't fucking care. And it, it creates the, it also creates the age old divide from service staff to kitchen staff where the kitchen, the kitchen staff gets killed every night. It makes the same amount of money. And then the front of the house staff gets killed and they're like, oh, I made $375 tonight. Yeah, yeah. And the cook is like, I made fucking $80. Right. And I busted my ass. And in the best case scenario, they take you out to the bar. Right, right. But this All is right, how first we, round's on me. This is how we get back to the cooks are coping with this bullshit. Right. By drinking and drugs and everything. Right. You know, like, if everybody's, if we're talking about truly being on the same team, everybody needs to be paid a fair wage. Absolutely. By the owner. Sure. That's it. That's it. And the story. I mean, there's a lot of guys that we have international travelers. Like, for example, they're pilots right now from, from Europe. Yeah. yeah. They don't tip. Exactly. Yeah. Because they don't tip there. Right. So, I mean, if, if I'm running a restaurant, steakhouse, for example, a uh, $50 plate for a filet, how hard is it to go 55 Everything's included. There is no tip. You don't have to worry about that 20% or whatever you, might, you may have paid. Yeah. Everything's included. Yeah. They make an hourly wage. Problem is. X, Y, Z. You want to the, slide them some cash, whatever. Yeah, the pro, I think where you get in the challenging part is people, it has to be universal. Right. Everybody has to do it because it's sticker shock. Correct. Yeah. Because if you come in to get your steak, and last week you came in, it was 50, and now it's 62. Because that provides enough money for everybody to get a, a correct hourly wage and get benefits. God forbid the hospitality workers would be able to afford to get benefits also. 
it's sticker shock. Because in your mind, we're so used to, with 62, I got to leave 20% on top of that. Right. And you can drill it into people's heads over and over and over and provide them a check that there's no gratuity line, that there is no gratuity. Don't, you don't add anything. That's why I think that the ticketing system is brilliant. Right. Because like, it's $78 a person, that's all it. And you pay it ahead of time, and if you don't show up, that's your fucking fault. Right, right. <clears throat> because talk about a racket, the person that, oh, it's Valentine's Day, we made reservation at four places. We fuck three of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bingo. That held, they, let's say it's, it, it's, it's us and our wives and we're going out and, and we're like, let's make reservations at four places and just fucking roll the dice happens. and pick one. Right. What kind of asshole does that? The people do it. Plenty. Plenty of them. <laughs> right. If you're listening to this and you do that, don't cool. fucking do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. By the, ne- by the next time we have a podcast, I want you to realize that's, that's a horrible thing to do because a, because a restaurant, because a restaurant is holding that table for you. And the table on those hot dates, that's, the, that's money. That's and the that ta- they're not only holding that table for you, you're holding that table, and you're going to mess up a turn, and that table's going to sit in every time. It's no different than heads and beds. It's butts and seats in a restaurant. Sure. Yep. Like, especially on a night like that. Yep. Look, Valentine's Day, you're going to be busy no matter what. Right. A lot of people consider it an amateur hour night to go out to eat because it's going to be busy no matter what. It's going to be some filet and shrimp bullshit special. With a chocolate lava cake or whatever. Oh, yeah, baby. Whatever finishes it up. Some sweet little sweethearts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you draw a chocolate happy Valentine's on the plate. Right. But you're already going to be busy that night, but you're counting on every seat full. Correct. Every turn full. Right. If I look at open table and see 200 covers, damn it. Right. That's where we need to be. So forget open table. Use a ticketing system. Yeah. Sell tickets. And if you don't show up, you don't show up. That's the only way to come. You paid. That's why the higher end fine dining places, which are dying yes but figured it out was like look the only way we're going to do this the only way we can sell $350 a head thing we can't I can't wait and see if you're going to show up right because there's five other people that would have taken your spot we'll sell tickets for it you don't show up we still got your money there's no refunds yeah and if you keep doing I think if you can do that you can actually almost create your own market like because now because I can limit that I can control that if you're interested in learning more about that um, look up the system talk um, Nick Kakonis uh, partner in Alenia restaurant in Chicago um, created talk and it's that ex- exact thing it's a ticket it's, it's freaking brilliant. it's a ticketing system. It's, it's a game changer if, if people got in, involved in it would be like imagine it'd be like imagine if you went to go to the Bengals game and they didn't sell tickets before the game and everyone just fucking showed up hmm. and they were counting on that like oh well sorry well, I mean the Bengals no one shows up but Theoretically, let's say it's a big, a big sporting event, right? You know, and just nobody showed like a up. Buckeyes game, right? right. And they're like, "Up, oh, never mind. No one showed up." Like, oh, shit. Well, Jimmy said he was going to come, but he never bought the ticket. So now we're sitting on an empty seat. Right. You have a high demand. You can get an ass in that seat, sell a ticket, get him in there. Guess what? In banquets, don't work. I, that's how it works. It's, Doesn't I, what's matter. Your, what's your guarantee? Right. Eighty. Right. Cool. Right. Sixty charge- showed up. I'm sorry. We charge you for eighty. We're charging you for 80. We right. made food for 80. Chef ordered food for 80. We prepared for 80. Correct. Same thing happens with service. Same yep. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Exact same thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to have 35 people. Okay. We, we're bringing food. We drop off food for 35. Oh, there are actually only 25 people here. That's not my I'm problem. Sorry. I'm sorry. Like, we brought you food bad. for 35. Like, we yeah. can't. There, I get there, there's certain instances with a force majeure I understand, and yeah. it's usually written in a contract. Well, we, I mean, but there is none for a restaurant. If I'm doing service, like, oh, well, you know, like you said, well, 
well, let's go to Jackson. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. But what about Tony's or the other restaurants around town? We just, we yeah. just fucked over. And talk about a less hard lesson learned. We, we used to never do catering contracts here. We had an event right down the street. We showed up there with food. <clears throat> They're like, oh, uh, we got the food from uh, City Barbecue. Like, no, you got the food from us. Got and a contract? The, there was no contract. And the woman was an asshole to my wife. And since that day, if we do a large event, there's a contract. Sorry, it is what it is. We well, have to be. protect yourself. Absolutely. It's impo- like, Absolutely. We made food for 50 people and took it down there. And then it, we had to bring it all back. Right, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> it's already done at that point. Right. There's no salvaging it. Like, that's in the story. So, um... See, man, I don't have anything else. Tom, you want to have anything? Aaron, you got anything else you want to? Uh, no, to I really add, appreciate you, you doing this. I, I think uh, the people that I've been talking to, it's just good knowledge. It's good yeah. education. Yeah. We don't get to hear about it a lot. We see some of the bigger chefs doing it, and they, they get into it a little bit. Uh, but this is more localized. This is a smaller yeah. feel that actually makes us feel connected. Yeah. Um, at the same time, kind of educating us and all putting us in the same platform as. We're all we're all one team here too. Yeah, it we're all, looks for all the of best. us are on the same team. Yeah, we all look for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to try to make this this, this some sort of positivity and take away to yeah. make it better. Yeah, you know, yeah. make this this massive gigantic pivot in our industry to be better, and hopefully at the end of the day that deals with the mental that we've talked about that deals with the safety in the industry, all of those things. To where at the end of the day people have good hospitable experiences. It's safe. And people quit being just don't be a dick anymore. You yeah, know, like yeah. let's just be good people. And we end up with an industry full of properly compensated, skilled employees by good, honest, properly compensated, skilled employers slash owners. Right. Right. Like that's all I mean that's all we can hope for. It's like these kind of conversations that lead to that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. That's Best we can do, man. <laughs> All right, Aaron, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, again, shout out to the YouTube library for the uh, for our intro and uh, outro music. I don't know if outro is a word, but we're going to use it. Uh, until next time, uh, this is Josh House, Pickles and Bones Podcast, and Tom Schnegglesberger signing off. Thank you. <laughs>